Welcome to the Learning Reinvented podcast, brought to you by myself, Katie Godden, and the team at The Learning Effect. There are lots of learning podcasts out there, so we wanted to do something slightly different. This week, we'll be talking to someone who started a new L&D role in lockdown. I'm delighted to welcome Lee Maxfield to the podcast. Lee, do you want to introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about your background and what you're currently up to? Yeah, of course. Hi. Um, I've uh, been in L&D 10 years. Um, you're going to have to bear with my career journey. It's a bit of a weird one. Um, I started um, serving hot dogs out of a window at Alton Towers when I was 16. Thought it was going to be a, uh, a stopgap just for a bit of beer money. That turned into a couple of years um, and I progressed up there looking after all the um, learning development for the food and beverage department. Um, after a few moves within Merlin, so I moved down to be uh, F&B manager for Warwick Castle, uh, commercial manager at Sea Life Weymouth uh, with the fish. Um, and then I got a group role uh, within Merlin as a, a food and beverage trainer, um, which took me all around the world. Um, opening some iconic attractions such as um, Legoland Japan, Legoland Dubai, um, uh, Legoland Discovery Centre in Philadelphia, um, as well as um, the Bear Grylls Adventure in Birmingham where you can swim with sharks and you can um, do an assault course. Um, and as well as doing the new openings, we also looked at the development of the team as well. So I did a lot of um, team leader coaching, team leader development, as well as manager development for food and beverage as well. Uh, we rolled out the MS, which was interesting. Um, and then I moved into uh, hotels. Uh, so we I moved into uh, Malia Hotels International, where I looked after the food and beverage, uh, food and beverage, L&D department um there for four hotels three in london and one in manchester uh, one in manchester um ranging from a five-star luxury brand to a uh, four-star business hotel um we did some cool stuff there so we did a cluster induction so we got everybody together uh, kind of reshape the our whole lnd offering uh, there to fit where the business was trying to get to. Um, then uh, in April, uh, no, June this year, uh, I moved into uh, being an L&D consultant for uh, Thames Water, which going from hospitality to utilities is a bit bit of a strange one, but uh, really enjoyable. Um, and we're looking at competency frameworks uh, and development frameworks for the whole organisation. Uh, working off a workforce architect, a new workforce architecture. So that's where we're at right now. Cool. So you've had quite a long career in L&D. Uh, what made you want to pursue a career in learning and development? Um, so it goes back to my first ever shift um, in um, Alton Towers and hot dog, um, serving hot dogs out of a window. Um, on my first day, I had a half day induction with HR. It was all nice, happy, clappy, telling me about the how the resort came about um, and all the health and safety procedures. And the second half of 
day I was given a uniform and said off you go here's your till login kind of start serving so I was happily start serving a couple of hours got um I was I thought I was doing really well but then I got a, a guest complaint um because I didn't know there was two types of hot dogs I didn't know if there was a small and a large hot dog <laughs> um I was and I apparently I give this guest a small hot dog but put through the till a large hot dog and I felt so um and success um that I vowed to be to make sure that nobody ever felt the way that I felt on that day and I think that's what L&D is all about I think it's about being useful and setting people up an individual up for the success that they could be and the best that they could be um, and the the before I started pursuing my career in L&D the interactions of workplace learning that I had I just thought we could do a bit better they were too uh, reminiscent of school where you had your you had a test at the end you sat there and listened to somebody and you had a, tw a 200 page powerpoint to go through and I just thought actually learning is a constant process that could be done a bit better so I then started looking into kind of where we can go and that's how I got the the role at Alton Towers looking at all the um, learning and food and beverage for the resort um, because my passion came through from the to the F&B director who kind of took me under his wing and kind of gave me that chance um, and the rest is history and uh, it all started with a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty cool story to have, though, to be yeah. fair. Um, so obviously, like in in that role, um, you were lucky enough to obviously travel um, mm. around the world. Um, and not a lot of people obviously get to do that. What did you learn from that experience? Um, so, yeah, I got to got to travel to some weird and wonderful places. Some I would love to go back to, some not in a rush. Um, what I learned and I, I can tell you a bit of an anecdote after is not one size fits all so um we I developed a, a, a leader boot camp which was a two-day kind of interactive um boot camp for your first-time leaders that, and so all the um skills that that a first-time leader would need that we wouldn't give them because in the past what we would do is say you're promoted to a leader here's a new uh coloured lanyard and go lead a team and unsurprisingly we found a lot of uh, people were not set up for success and we had a lot of issues with that so this kind of boot camp if you will was was designed to set them up for success and give them this, the, the necessary skills to kind of take them take them to the next level um, so I started doing it at Thorpe Park and Legoland Windsor. Um, it was a massive success. I had my ego boosting feedback forms were all five, five, fives. I thought, oh, brilliant. I found a global solution. So then I went to Legoland 
uh, Billund in Denmark, which is the first Legoland that was built, and is uh, Billund is the home of Lego. Um, interesting fact: Lego has two planes sitting in, in Billund Airport. Uh, oh, wow! Can, yeah. Um, so I started doing my um, normal kind of um, energetic uh, icebreaker and went through the day and halfway through at lunch, halfway through the first day, um, one of the delegates was saying, I don't really get what we're doing. I was like, what do you mean we don't get what you're doing? I said, well, learn. I want to talk through and I've got some questions. And it made me realise that actually what I did in the UK and what I did for these people at Chesington at Thor Park is not going to work for um, the people, uh, the Danish people, because they like to talk and they like to uh, collaborate a little bit more. So after that, then I really started taking an individual approach to all my workshops and all the boot camps that I, was, uh, that I ran. Um, so instead of going in with a set kind of what's a better word lesson plan have just a loose structure of what you're going to do and then react to uh what the people are telling you um what your delegates are telling you um on the day um and i, I doing one uh session was um it Ches at legoland windsor again where i put all the topics and all the skills that i thought a leader would have and then the icebreaker was them putting it on a roadmap and binning a couple. So they actually shaped the day and it really got them, well, they really were invested because actually I was just doing stuff that they wanted to learn and do and 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 um, and take forward instead of instead of me just prescribing the uh, <laughs> yeah. subscribing the learning for them if that makes sense yeah so you're getting other people involved making it more collaborative mm. and and kind of like making sure that people are obviously invested in what they're doing as well um and then obviously it helps it flow a little bit more doesn't it yeah yeah and you're just not saying this is what you need this is what you need they're telling mm -hmm. me what they need yeah um and rather kind of instead of using my mystic mag powers to say well that person and a and not a broad brush approach saying well if you're a first time leader you need uh communication skills and you say right okay you might have that because you've actually gone through the process and been promoted to a first time leader so let's have a look at where your gaps are instead of um giving that broad brush approach um and also every culture is different um especially when i went to japan and training through an interpreter is really difficult i bet <laughs> <laughs> um but their culture to learning is different um because you're seen as the expert where actually in the states in the in the uk you're not you're the facilitator mm -hmm. of that learning you're the guy you're guiding them through that learning journey mm -hmm. where in japan and this is my experience and not a broad brush um, kind of statement. But in Japan, I was seen as the the expert in the topic that I was talking about, mm -hmm. uh, which is an interesting kind of dynamic of where you need to take it and what you need. How do you need to um, change your approach to, to different cultures in the in the world? 
Did, so, so obviously you changed your approach um, based on your experiences. Did you start to see results off the back of that? Because obviously you you said that you had really great feedback here, and then obviously it was it was different in in um, Denmark. Mm. But when you did change that approach, were you starting to see the results? Were were things getting implemented um, quickly, etc.? Yeah, yeah, and. Because we, because I was started to listening to listen listen to the um, them rather than um, rather than dictating to them, mm-hmm. um, then they were just I was learning stuff from them and I was learning where their pinch points and their problems were. Mm-hmm. And you and go and go back to why I got into L and I was just being useful for that individual rather than the collective and and to your point a lot then when i did my follow-up visit i had just individuals coming up to me and said oh i tried that thing that you told us about and and it really worked thank you but i've tweaked it a little bit i was like that great you tweak you just and i can remember one person coming up to me and said Oh, we touched on this on your workshop and I've done a bit more research into it um, and this is what I found out. Can we have a chat about it? And I was like, wow, that is learning its best to inspire somebody to then go, oh, I'm really interested in that. I'm going to have a look and Google and 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 learn a bit more. That is actually what you want to do. You don't want to, you're not going to solve all the piece in an eight hour workshop, but what you can do is inspire them to take it further and learn and and make mistakes for it as well. Yeah, that must be quite fulfilling uh, as a trainer as well um, oh, for you in your role. It's it's probably the best feedback you can get. I mm-hmm. think when you when you've had somebody come up to you and say you've changed the way I manage my team or you've changed the way I I do things or I'm getting things done that I'd never thought I'd be able to. That is better than any than any number that somebody can put on a on a feedback form. Mm, yeah, definitely. Because it yeah it is 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 actual feedback, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you're having, yeah, and you you're having in um, direct kind of impact onto the guest and onto mm-hmm. paying customers where. And that's what I love because I come from an operational role is I don't want learning shouldn't be so detached from the end result, which is either you get on a roller coaster, you get served your food or you get water out of your tap. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be that detached from that. And that what that's what you need. That's what I keep in my mind is that's the ultimate goal to make sure that we're effective and doing whatever we're doing and delivering. But you might be you might have to take kind of two steps back from that to fit to enhance that process to make sure that you're um affecting the business results and then you can go to your stakeholders and go look i've done this learning instead of saying we've got great feedback or we've got great um participation i'm saying that we did this learning and this is what this is your hard-earned cash or this is the result in hard facts and figures mm-hmm. because what in my experience and especially in communities they they um 
they're great with uh, if you stand up and say, yeah, we had this participation, this many people did e-learning, this many people give us fives. Well, that's great, but they're not really bothered about that. They're bothered about how they how you're going to make their business better. <laughs> yeah, your return on, on, on investment. I think I think in learning, people often don't look at that data because it's easy to say how many courses have been done, but actually how how much time and and money you spending on delivering those courses and how effective are they really and i think yeah, people I just, tend to lose that yeah i just don't think we fly the flag enough for us we're a bit going oh yeah we only did one part we're actually mm. that one part that you did had probably had a massive ripple effect so be proud mm -hmm. of what you've done yeah and don't just because it's an operational result doesn't mean you haven't affected it so fly your own flag rather than say oh no i only did one little part mm -hmm. kind of fly fly the lnd fly the learning flag yes yeah so obviously you said that you started a new role in the summer of this year during uh, the covid pandemic how have you found that how was your onboarding experience um compared to starting jobs when we didn't have covid yeah well can you remember a time without COVID? That's <laughs> no, well, yeah, it does seem like a while ago now. <laughs> um, well, I'm not going to beat around the bush. It was weird. Um, it was so bizarre that Monday morning in the summer, sitting at my dining room table, I went from one day being unemployed to then another day opening my laptop and being a um, an employee of Thames Water completely baffled me completely. <laughs> and even even weirdly like on my last on my first day at the end of the day I didn't know when to shut off <laughs> and I didn't know like because normally when you're in the office somebody you can just say oh you can see people leaving whereas yeah. when you're when you're at home you can't see people leaving um but that was weird but then my onboarding um was great and my line manager was absolutely fantastic of kind of we went through quite a lot on teams and having them conversations and and what I found um onboarding remotely is I was having more meaningful conversations with people mm -hmm. um because you had because you were doing it over teams um or over uh virtually over the laptop um I felt that I was having a really poignant, meaningful conversation with people because you have to, you can't just ring, you, when you're new, you can't just ring people up and say, oh, can we have a chat? Yeah, um, you have to arrange it. I guess like when you're in an yeah. office, you can go and have a chat with someone and it can be about anything um, because you're physically there. But obviously you can't just pop something in someone's diary and just talk about random things. You have to have a purpose. Yeah. And, and having them purposeful conversations was really useful and kind of got me up to speed quite quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but what I did miss is them, oh, I just bumped to you in a corridor kind of conversations. Um, yeah, making a but, cup of tea, having a coffee. Yeah, and, uh, seeing people in the canteen and, and, and talking about the, I don't know, the TV that you've watched the, uh, the night before or whatever. But um it's been really interesting and and uh, the Thames has done a really good job of kind of making sure that we're integrated into the culture quite quickly 
um because we're on a short-term project kind of yeah. working through that quite quickly was was amazing and we've had loads of kind of um the hr director put uh, similar minds together and did an introduction call that was really good because um you would i would never have interacted with a a reward consultant before but somebody a reward consultant joined at the same time as me mm-hmm. and we had this come we we kind of got together and um and just had a chat really and and said this is strange yes we're in the same boat this is strange <laughs> um and you you, you felt you, i've never felt that i was alone and i've yeah. always felt like i could reach out to somebody and have have just a random conversation about the tv um and i'm really nosy and looking at and seeing people's back walls um <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting isn't it <laughs> really insight into them as yeah. well so I've, people's kids have been popping in that you'd never know before people's dogs um people's husbands people's wives delivering cups of tea um <laughs> so but it's... I, I think that has been interesting like i know that well, i work from home all the time anyway but um it, it's hard to get used to that um and like you said knowing when to switch off yeah um, but i think i think it's helped people feel a bit more relaxed and a bit more human because i think yeah. you go into work and you've got that persona and you've got your work persona but when you take a step back um, and when you're in your house, people obviously don't ever see that side of you. Mm. Um, so I think that has been nice. And, and we've been chatting to people as well. Sorry. Yeah. And in, in a in a corporate um, in a corporate world, everybody's mask is slipped off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good to see people from who like their best because they're at yeah. home relaxed and they're actually being quite productive because you're not being distracted by anything mm-hmm. um, you can see people for their own for who they are and what yeah. they want to do and having the kind of consultancy conversations that we're having about skills roles and kind of what where you want to take your team and what you're trying to uh, achieve it's meant that they've opened up a lot quicker because they know nobody's ears eavesdropping yeah <laughs> or they don't have to watch what they say because you're in a safe space because it's a two-way conversation it, it it's been really good and it's really helped kind of um get get to the crux of things quite quickly where mm-hmm. it would have taken five meetings before we got to the crux of it um which is amazing that's awesome yeah so you, you briefly mentioned about the skills and there's a lot at the moment and people are, are looking at skills in the workforce and how do you think you'd approach that and do you see any challenges like given the current climate and what's going on yeah so i think um it's interesting because i think the predictions of what skills we would need in 2020 in 2019 are now completely out of date and completely wrong a bit like the american polls um <laughs> uh, because we need i know resilience was on there but i think kind of we needed a resilience we need resilience more now than we did ever forever mm-hmm. uh, than ever before um and i think teams are interacting differently now than they would would do if they were in the office mm-hmm. i think communication um 
is now changed um, of what we class as good communication. Um, but I think the first starting point of if, if any L&D people are listening to this and thinking, I don't know where to start, is not asking people what they want to learn, but asking leaders what they want to achieve in their teams and, re and using that as your opener to kind of get out there and 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 pick the skills for what they're trying to achieve not what their team needs to learn because i think there's a difference between i think once you've asked that question of what you're trying to achieve you're going to get a, a a better answer than a list of orders if you ask if you what you try what you're trying to learn um and once you've got that kind of vision that they're trying to do, you can really add value to to them as an individual and an individual team rather than ticking off loads of learning requests. Um, because if I go to um, pro the project management team, everybody will say, I want Prince too. Mm -hmm. um, but actually, is that what they're trying to achieve in that team? Mm, maybe, I don't know. It's just what people know. People understand project management prints too. They go together. Yeah. Instead mm -hmm. of looking actually what are the skills that you need mm -hmm. um, and how do you manage virtually is an interesting one. How do you lead virtually? Um, and the um, the skills of a leader has completely changed. Um, luckily, wellness was um, well-being was always on the agenda, but always bubbling away under the surface. But now I think because of the weird year that 2020 has been, I think it's now really, um, it's at the top of everybody's list and how do you manage your team's wellbeing? Is it the, at the top of everybody's list now? Um, the, I think the challenge the challenge is, is how do you, how do you react to uh, the world around you when you're, when you're looking at kind of developing your skills and developing, um, your competitive frameworks or your development frameworks or whatever you want to do the the world 2020 <laughs> 2021 potentially 2022 is going to be completely different to what we've ever seen before i mm -hmm. think um the weirdness has just started and i think it's going to be a kind of a shifting target so i think we need to keep we need to keep in touch with that um, and kind of keep our fingers on the pulses with it so I don't think you can you can solid nobody hand on heart can say this this framework is future proof yeah um, these are the skills these are the future proofing skills that we need in our business because actually I don't think anybody can predict what they are so I think we are going to need to be as reactive as proactively reactively um as we can to to what what the world and what the business world will need but if i think as a starting point to that though <clears throat> i think we need to define what good looks like within yeah. our teams and if i say i'm looking for um uh, a water technician well what does a good water technician look like what skills do they need what um knowledge do they need what technical skills do they need um, and really doubling down on what actually does that foundational good look like mm -hmm. and then building on top of that for 
the future proofing side of things for 2021 and 2022? Yeah, it's a bit of unknown, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything's ever changing and we need to work in a, a bit more of a flexible and agile way. And yeah. have, like COVID has been the catalyst for that. And yeah, hopefully absolutely. it does kind of shake things up in a positive way yeah. as much as being locked in the house isn't very nice etc <laughs> but but hopefully it can actually start to we can start to see improvements especially in the learning space yeah and i think covid has um and the way the world has changed is accelerated what learning leaders were trying to do anyway mm-hmm. um about this individual approach this collaboration social learning digital learning we were people were chipping away at that already but i think it's just brought it to the forefront center stage to say this is how we're going to learn from now on mm-hmm. and i don't think there's any going back from it now i think no. people, people have seen that the value that learning that learning can uh, have in a business and and i think if you're if you're the organization is and the learning organization has reacted well I think you're on to a winner and you, you've really proved yourself mm-hmm. as a resilient function within the team, within yeah. the organisation. Yeah, because I think learning it, that that always kind of, it like in budgets, it always gets cut and things like that. Mm, Whereas nice now, yeah, but, but, but now you've obviously, you're having to train people on different things and react, react really quickly to situations and the ever-changing guidance, etc. Yeah. Um, so it, it does highlight how important it is for, for organisations to have good learning and being able to communicate that out to their people effectively. Mm. Because I think the communication um, element of learning has been really, what I've seen from different organisations and in, and in, in my role now, has been excellent and we've mm. kind of used we've tapped into the marketeers and we've really used that so mm. if you think of learning as a, as a service we've really used our entrepreneurial skills to kind of use the the marketing like the marketing skills to to get people excited again about learning yeah i think people have had working from home have had this space to go do you know what I'm going to learn something new and I'm going to learn um I, I, I'm trying to do this I wonder if something can help me to do this faster better quicker um <clears throat> and and we've really benefited from in the learning space in some mm-hmm. organizations I think um yeah and we, it, it really makes me think about how detrimental potentially an office environment is how do you mean? It's a bit controversial, mm-hmm. but I think how much time was wasted in an office? Yeah. Um, because we've seen a lot of more people have that headspace when they're at home um, to work, <clears throat> to kind of be more productive and, and, and have that headspace to learn and kind of be a bit more vulnerable mm-hmm. um, to say, do you know what I'm trying to achieve this but I don't know how to yeah and you're on your own a little bit more aren't you obviously in your house mm. it's kind of just you you can't you can't kind of hide it under the carpet because if you're not doing what you're meant to be doing I think working from home highlights that a lot more yeah um than in what it did before like in an office you can kind of 
not pass blame, I think that's the wrong way to say it, but you can kind of skirt around it and avoid it a bit easier. Yeah, yeah, because even personally, uh, outside of work, I've learned, I learned stuff over lockdown that I was meaning to do, uh, meaning to learn for ages. So mm-hmm. we have a bathroom, and this is going to sound really boring, but it's poignant. Um, I had a bathroom fan uh, that was making a noise. I was like, I'm going to, I've got nothing else better to do. I'm going to go onto Google, go onto YouTube and fix it. Or mm-hmm. um, I've learned how to make sourdough bread like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> was it good? <laughs> Did you learn anything over lockdown? Um, I I haven't, not specific like that, but I think it, like you said, um, when something comes up, you Google it. And I, mm. I, I personally, that that's what I think you should be able to do at work. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm hoping that we'll get to eventually in organisations. You'll get to the point where you can go onto a learning platform or whatever technology you've got or an app or whatever. And you can actually find out what you need for your job instantly. Like yeah. how we do, like you said, fixing your fan or fixing the washing machine or whatever. Um, it's so easy and it's so simple and people people don't think of that as learning which I think is yeah. a, a funny way of looking at it because you are learning something you're learning a new skill you learn how to fix something mm-hmm. um, but obviously people have a perception of learning and work is slightly different mm-hmm. um, so they they see it as going on and doing a school course or attending a physical workshop or whatever it is um, and actually you're all the time anyway we just don't realize it yeah and and even like you said about um using like marketing and reflecting that into learning as well Mm. um we're constantly consuming information and again that's learning um so i think if we if our our mindsets hopefully will change and we'll start to have that understanding um and hopefully we can then start reflecting that in organizations yeah because I go back to how do you learn to walk or ride a bike? Well, you didn't do an e-learning course or go no. on a workshop, did you? You got up, you fell down a little bit, and then you tried again. And I think, mm-hmm. and there's so much learning that goes on that you just don't realise. And I think you need to appreciate that. Um, and and yeah, you mentioned um, uh, Google. Google's easy to easy to access and doesn't pigeonhole people. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're going to use that as a benchmark, I think what we need to do in in Alan D organization in Alan D is go well. What have we? What is the advantage of we've got that Google hasn't? Well, we've got the knowledge of our organization, and we can apply the learning so it's so it can be so it benefits the benefits our employees quicker because they know how how we do it. Because that's the biggest thing about learning and, and joining an organisation. I know how to have a consultancy, have a conversation with somebody. Mm-hmm. But how do you have a conversation around um, with somebody around around Thames or around here? That's it's putting learning in the context of what they're trying to do, yeah. rather than oh here's here's the theory. Now go try it. Yeah. <laughs> But you, you can have your Google bits because obviously some things like I always use the example of fire safety training. I don't know why people make their own fire safety training because no all organisation fires are made and that's how yeah. they're made. You know what I mean? It's not different between organisations. Yeah. Um, 
but why go out and, and brand stuff and, and make it more personal when you don't need to um, mm. but you can then slip your policies in and things like that um, and then you're kind of curating and you're still making it more personal to your business and branding it slightly but you don't need to over brand stuff and no. just make it easy for people yeah and do the hard work do the hard work for your end users and mm -hmm. find the best resources that google have to offer and put them into your lms yeah into yeah. your learning platform because you've done the hard work for them um because google's got amazing resources and just use it mm -hmm. and be a bit bold and steal it <laughs> yeah but i think i think you'll see um people start to do that more especially with budgets being cut and things like that and and people not being in the office you're not going to be able to spend three months creating a course anymore because people are at home um yeah. and you you want hopefully everyone's using learning platforms or something like that to push information out to so you're actually probably going to be able to target a lot more people than a selected few um and you're kind of opening up the information as opposed to just like you said pigeonholing people yeah saying this is we use the grow framework in here and that's what you're going to use nothing else nothing else exists well it does exist and it yeah. might work better for that person yeah it's going back to being useful and remembering every individual learns differently yeah yeah uh, and, and what they're trying to achieve rather than what you want them to learn mm -hmm. put the objective first yeah yeah or put the put the business result first really well mm -hmm. the individual result first really yeah yeah cool so where where do you think that you'll go with your career next obviously you've just started your job yeah um, um well it's an interesting one because i've been thinking about well haven't been i've been thinking about it um and i don't know where my career would go but i want i know what culture i want to be in um so i want to be in a culture where we have got that individual approach um and it's appreciated and um i want to be in a role where i can really f change the learning problems and take the take problems that are affecting the business and really use learning to leverage the solution um and having that direct impact into the the end result with either that be a utility or that be a uh, a service-based organization um so i'd really like to kind of be in that kind of role where i can define what the learning landscape looks like and kind of set the learning vision because you're never going to change a learning uh, learning in an organization over overnight but i think the, the slower the slowly measured approach will will really help um and using and kind of using data and collecting that data so you're actually not making predictions and you're not getting your lnd crystal ball out <laughs> you're actually you've got kind of good solid data that this is what people need um you're creating we, a purpose yeah mm -hmm. yeah you, you and you're you're where D is seen as a value add organize a, a value add department rather than a budget drainer mm -hmm. um and a nice to do it's a need to do definitely not a nice to do um <laughs> so yeah 
that's where I, that's where I want to be. I don't know what I don't know if that organisation exists anywhere. No, uh, well, it might do. You never know. Things things are changing all the time. Yeah. So it might do somewhere. But cool. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today, Lee. It's been really great to talk to you. Um, if people want to carry on the conversation, what's the best way of them contacting you? Uh, yeah, so they can find me on LinkedIn mm -hmm. um, or they can so just search my name. Uh, Ali RGH is the first name and then Max and Field um, or on Twitter. Uh, so at Lee underscore Max. Um, also, I've got a uh, blog on WordPress, uh, which we'll put in the, the show notes that you can have a look at as well, where I've got a series of 10 blogs and I'm just in the process of writing another 10. So um you can go and kind of have a look and have a delve into my mind cool thank you very much